welcome to another episode of Project Geospatial here at the, well, well day two of the uh, GEOINT 2021 Symposium here in St. Louis. I'm here with Scott Kaplan, part of the uh, Civil Air Patrol. And uh, Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself and let's get right into it. Sure, my name is Scott Kaplan. I'm the uh, volunteer national program manager for the Civil Patrol's Geospatial Program. Um, that's why I'm here today. Uh, day job, I work for NGA, but here I'm completely focused on all things Civil Air Patrol. Awesome. Uh, so, what is the Civil Air Patrol? You know, we don't hear about it. You know, for, for those who don't realize it, it is uh, actually a really big organization, and, and, I, I, and it's it's separate than a lot of things out there you might hear about. You know, it's not the military. Sure. Um, so yeah, so Civil Air Patrol has a very long history. We actually go back to 1941. Um, originally. Uh, during World War II, the Civil Air Patrol was focused on homeland defense. We were flying aircraft up and down the coast looking for, for submarines um, and or uh, enemy ships. Um, we're actually credited with sinking four submarines um, as well as hundreds of ships. Um, but after World War II, when the, the, the war was ending, they wanted to relook at how they could potentially keep the Civil Air Patrol and help it, you know, still help with, with homeland uh, missions. And so it started to change into more heavily focused on search and rescue. Um, and then it also focused on cadet programs. So Civil Air Patrol is the auxiliary of the Air Force. So, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means, but we have 70,000 members nationwide. Out of those 70,000 members, we have 30,000 people that do real world emergency service operations. It has three components to it. So one is um, aerospace education. We're one of the largest aerospace education organizations in the country, teaching everything related to the STEM fields related around aerospace. And I count geospatial and GIS under that umbrella. <clears throat> so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, cadet programs. So we have tens of thousands of cadets around the country who are 12 to 18 years old. They have the ability to go up to 21 if they were a cadet when they're 18 and they want to continue. Otherwise, they become a senior member. And the cadet program focuses on three, uh, four specific areas. So leadership development, um, character development, uh, um, physical fitness, and again, aerospace education, but trying to train our members to, you know, either whether they want to go into the Air Force, the other military services, or other businesses and organizations, but it's treating, the, it's providing them that opportunity. Um, and then the last primary mission, which we'll talk obviously most about today, is emergency services. So when the Civil Air Patrol actually operates in a, um, in a real world mission, let's say on behalf of FEMA or another agency or a state organization, we actually fall under Air Force authorities. So we, in that regards, we, our members actually become airmen for all part of the total force um, in, in support of the emergency response. When a organization like FEMA like that asks us to help with, with maybe a hurricane response or a tornado response, earthquakes, fires, um, they will put a mission request to Air Force to have Civil Air Patrol come help. And then the money's put against that, and then we're assigned a specific mission, and we go out and we fly the mission. So, not to distract us from, so how does someone join the Civil Air Patrol? Is it like an enlistment? Is it as a volunteer nope. effort? It, so everybody in Civil Air Patrol, except a very small percentage of national headquarters, is a volunteer. I am a volunteer. I am here, actually, at this event as a volunteer on leave from my day job. Um, anyone can join. You. Any of your kids can join. You can come to uh, a squadron. So the basic structure of how Civil Air Patrol is set up is we have our national headquarters, which is based out of Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama, has maybe about 150 paid members of Civil Air Patrol. 
Then below that we have regions, so it's like multiple states. So where I live in Virginia, the Mid-Atlantic region, we have Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, West Virginia, the North Carolina wing, uh, or sorry, the, uh, national capital, uh, Maryland, and Delaware. That's the Mid-Atlantic region, it's a series of number of states. Um, then we have wings, because we're following the Air Force structure. So the wings is a state. We actually have 52 wings. That's because we count one that covers the national capital region. So Washington, D.C., a little bit of Virginia and Maryland is covered under that. And then Puerto Rico and the Virgin, U.S. Virgin Islands is, is another wing. So that's why 52. And then below that, we have groups and then squadrons. Groups just help us span a control large state. We can separate the state into different areas. But a squadron, you probably have down the street from you right now. Um, they're normally founded in like a, hold meetings either at schools, local armories, um, others. There are 1,400 squadrons around the country. Actually, more than that, but probably 1,400. Um, so you look up on uh, GoCivilAirPatrol.com. You can go to the Civil Air Patrol. You can come to our actually our GIS hub at gis.cap.gov, and we have a link to find your cap squadron and it'll it'll bring it up and you find your local one you go in you meet for like three you have to go to like normally like three meetings just to show that you're actually interested in joining and then it's sign up dues is really inexpensive about like sixty dollars a year well that you know so you touched on the gis and geospatial aspects so how does what does geospatial have to do with cap and what are you doing here sure so for the past three years i've been helping to build the CAPS Geospatial Program. Um, we uh, initially called it actually the CAP GIS Program. What I realized is it was much more robust than that. So CAP in reality has been doing GIS and geospatial data and remote sensing for years, for almost since the beginning. We've just never quite used the right terminology to help the rest of industry understand that. When we have a mission where we're out flying, so a, a, an important thing to note is CAP has the largest fleet of general aviation aircraft in the country. We have 570 Cessnas around the country. We also have the largest fleet of small, manned, uh, small unmanned aerial systems, or SUAS, in the country. We have almost 1,800 and growing. Um, we can fly high capability sensors. Um, We've flown LiDAR, we have a camera called the Waldo camera, which can do 3D imaging, a 3D imagery, <coughs> handheld imagery. When we're out doing those missions, normally they'd say, hey, we have an airborne photographer and we're taking pictures. Um, or we're flying a cool sensor, but the pilot's out there flying the plane, getting the, collecting the data. Yeah. Okay, cool. What we're really doing is remote sensing. We're, we're, we're acting as a remote sensing device to provide captured data to provide to FEMA or others. Um, and then once we're doing that, but we've also been using GIS tools, whether it's Google Earth, ArcGIS, QGIS, or others to build maps or look at maps or look at the imagery. No one's ever actually, that I heard much was, hey, we're doing GIS. So we use the right terminology of GIS and remote sensing and you combine the data to tell a story you're doing geospatial information. I've been actively trying to tell that story to as many people I can, especially in the geospatial industry, because I'm like, it's a $500 billion business. And if they understand that you have an entire organization nationwide of people from the age of 12 and older who are interested in this area and want to get involved in it, or that we're already doing it, then the rest of the industry stands up and goes, oh wait, you're doing what? <laughs> and I've gotten that a lot, and I'm like, yeah, we've been doing this for years, and this is great stuff, and we can help. Not only am I potentially making your future employees, 
but we're doing real world missions where we're using probably a lot of the technology that you guys are providing. Absolutely, so, so what types of sensors are you hoping to integrate within CAP at something like this? So right now, CAP is, is looking long-term, obviously, at sensors. Part of it's you know, funding issues and things like that and what we get. The biggest things we're starting to fly right now, um, the, the, the biggest recent game changer was the Wado camera, which is through a company called Wado Air. Um, the CEO is a former cat member, so we, we find like cat members everywhere. I've, here, actually, this event, I've already talked with two, three people that are, have been cat members or were cat members or cat cadets. We're like, oh wait, you're Civil Air Patrol, cool. Um, but the Waldo camera is, you know, I think it's a four centimeter resolution imaging pod. It's about, looks like a great big pill, fits on the wing of a Cessna. Um, when we're flying circular pads, we can do high resolution 3D imagery. Uh, that data, when we take it, often is given to FEMA, Skyline does the processing on it, and we've done, and then GeoX, which is another company. Yeah, I believe Skyline's here. And Skyline's here, I'm gonna go talk to them, <laughs> say hey. Um, FEMA's here, I'm gonna go talk to them again, say hey. Uh, but that imagery, uh, I'll give you a couple example, examples of recent events where we used the imagery. So like the uh, uh, Mississippi tornadoes last year, or the Tennessee oh, yeah. tornadoes. So we went out, we flew high resolution imagery, with the Waldo camera, that was given to Skyline to process and then given to the company GeoX, which did AIML on top of it and did automated damage assessments of the structures. So what happens to the imagery after you take the mission? Is that available for everybody or how, who is that releasable to? It is. Um, so CAP by design doesn't actually only own the data. We we provide the Im information into the FEMA imagery uploader, okay. um, of which they are redoing. I believe they just finished the contract, so I don't want to say exactly who it is, but um, I, I think the contract has been officially released uh, for who they made their decision with, but they're going to modify it. But we give our imagery to, to FEMA. They own it, and the real reason is, and, and these are some conversations I've been having lately on just some of the briefings I've been giving, is they own the data. Like, so they ask, they put the request for us to fly it and take the data, but they're the owners of it. It's their money against it. They sponsor it. They sponsor it. That they get sense. to keep the data. Yeah. Um, when it comes to doing missions, if you really think about it, CAP's actually really inexpensive. We charge maybe $150 an hour for the Cessna with a free pilot, a volunteer pilot that wants to do it because they're trying to serve the nation for disaster response. Yeah. Um, but we're flying ever more highly capable sensors on top of that. So another example, like a really good example to kind of tell what my program, the, the, the National Cap Geospatial Program is, is we had three goals for, for my program. And the first one is to help augment FEMA in times of natural disasters or other federal agencies or states with trained GIS specialists. Can I teach CAP members GIS um, skills, geospatial skills, and have companies or others to teach our members how to do this? We're going to have operations qualifications. So the you know FEMA has its PQS. We're working. We took theirs. Um, the, the examples from the National Alliance for Public Safety GIS NAPSIG, um, and working with them and generating ours so that when we have our members, we can say you've been officially trained. You you've proven that you know how to do this. You've done it in real world events or in exercise training events. So that when a net real disaster hits we can take our members and put them into maybe state, county, emergency operations centers, because FEMA only has 100 more or so people nationwide that are doing, doing work that NGA taught them in the past, but they can't be everywhere. There's some states where they only may have one person or no people. Yeah. Can we bring in CAP members and help augment them 
uh, with volunteers. So that's the first goal of my program. The second one is to help CAP internally visualize our own capabilities using geospatial skill uh, tools. Uh, we have an enterprise license through Esri, you know, they're, they're, they're the big ones, right? Um, so with ArcGIS, so can we help our own virtual incident management teams, because we're dispersed nationwide, and often when we're doing a, a, a large uh, event, we're doing it distributed via you know, people sitting at home on yep. their computers. So how can we leverage all that data, both from an administrative component to an operational component of the data? And then the third goal is to how do I bring our cadets and senior members into the geospatial world and provide them an opportunity to get into those fields um, by exposing them to the, to, to the training and information. So I use that and explain the goals because last year we did the Puerto Rico earthquake. Um, so in back a year ago, February, major earthquake down in Puerto Rico. Um, on Wednesday night, I got a call from Chris Vaughn, who was the uh, uh, GIO for FEMA, and he said, hey, Scott, we don't have any vetted imagery on the ground of the current disaster. Can you help us? That night, two of my uh, guys, my experts from uh, Maryland, and uh, a gentleman from the National, from NAPSIG, National Line to Public Safety GIS, created a Survey123 app in ArcGIS. Um, the following morning, we had that in the hands of both senior members and cadets, and I, and I really hit on cadets, because how cool is it to be able to get kids involved in disaster response? Because normally you don't get to do this, and it's one of the few organizations that allows them to do so. And we had them out in the field with a handheld app taking photos of the damage. That imagery was given back to FEMA. That's how they got the presidential disaster declaration for the earthquake. While that was happening at the same time, we had SUAS teams and aircraft, our Cessna aircraft teams, inbound to Puerto Rico. The winds were high. Initially, they flew the SUAS because they could handle the winds. We flew LIDAR, um, uh, LIDAR on the aircraft. Then when that weekend and the winds died down, the aircraft were flying, which we were flying oblique imagery, the Waldo imagery. They also took the Waldo camera and put it on top of a uh, uh, cap vehicle, and they were driving it around, think Google Street View or whatever, but well, with 3D imagery on the ground. So, so if I've looked at Puerto Rico, the imagery that's available, and that's gotta be some of the best publicly available data I've ever seen in multiple stacks. Yeah, it's incredible. And it was all done by cap. Yeah. So when we talk about Goal one, we just helped augment FEMA with GIS, trained GIS people. Goal two, all of that we actually put into our chats and we put it on a map so we were visualizing where was the imagery being taken in real time. We over put other layers like weather, you know, recent earthquakes and all the other type of information that we could have. That was given to our virtual incident management team, our Southeastern, Southeastern, Southeast Region Commander, who I asked after the fact of it all, it's like, did this help you? And her response was, yes, because I was trying to picture this all in my head. So I met goal two. I helped CAP internally visualize our own assets of what we were doing. And then goal three, I had cadets out in the field. So all in one event, I got to hit all three goals of my program. That's incredible. And we've been doing it multiple times since then. So what's next for CAT? The next big thing, so we're, we're kind of expanding out into some of the mission sets that we're doing. So a really good example that, I, that just happened. So Hurricane Ida hit down in Louisiana, category three storm. Again, we got a request from FEMA from di multiple different directions. So we had Silver Patrol aircraft flying the missions, taking imagery, Jawado imagery. Um, it, 
FEMA was using cap air imagery, no imagery, commercial imagery uh, for satellites, uh, then the imagery that's given through the um, National um, Insurance Bureau. Uh, when, when there's a major disaster, they fly large swaths of imagery and can give it to uh, disaster response if they're flying it. Yep. So all those different imagery sets were being taken, and what they needed was FEMA did AIML against the, the disaster environment, and it laid down hundreds of thousands of polygons over structures to say where it thought a structure was and see if they could potentially classify the structure. Mm -hmm. And what they found out is they had a real hard time for whatever reason this time. We've had much better uh, experiences with it last year, but this time they were like, okay, can we crowdsource looking at the structures to say, is the polygon accurate? And then actually make a formal assessment. So basically doing basic imagery analysis on the event. I got a call on, or an email on Wednesday to ask about it. Thursday we had our first meeting. That I heard, or maybe it was Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday the email went out asking for help uh, across all of Silver Air Patrol, saying if you're interested in being involved in this crowdsourcing effort, sign up. We had 760 people sign up for the event. And at the end of the day, we actually had 327 people actually get involved in doing assessments. Within two weeks, we had to make a little pause to do some better training. I had 10 teams. Two of those teams were led by cadets. We assessed 197,000 polygons in under two weeks. They wanted us to look at, I think it was like almost 38,000 um, grids. They had set up in grids that you could basically check out, do the polygons within that section, and then close out the grid. We were 500 short of finishing all the ones they wanted done when they when FEMA asked us to stop. What was their feedback? They loved it. So. The cool part about it is, one, I had people from across, I had people from 38 states involved. And out of that, it, the, the data that we were doing was used by FEMA headquarters, FEMA recovery, FEMA region six, the American Red Cross stops and work that they were doing, they used it, um, the, the housing and, and disaster task force or something like that, where they're going out helping get people, um, small business administration, the federal insurance management agency, all of them are using that data to help the recovery and help the survivors um, to get them the, the things they need. And we did that all from sitting in our house nationwide. So it's just a really cool story. Again, meeting most of the goals, helped augment FEMA, we were helping ourselves, and I had cadets doing it. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, well, anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Sure. I mean, the big thing here, and the reason I'm, I, I'm here, obviously, at Juint, is to build the partnerships, um, whether it's from a training aspect, from a working out to figure out what are the use cases and requirements that maybe we can help individual companies help come help cap. Um, do agencies and companies want to help us? You know, here's an opportunity for serve. It's a big win-win scenario for me, or at least in my opinion, when I'm talking with people is like, help come expose our members to your technologies, your newest, your newest and latest, greatest things. Maybe let them test it out for you because yeah. you got free help, right? You know, people who are just dying to get involved and help. 
And on the flip side, you get to expose your technologies and your capabilities, not just to our members, but also potentially train your future employees and allow them to uh, get in, get involved. And then, you know, figuring out the spots where we can maybe build other types of relationships to, to expand the geospatial fields, to help emergency response, help serve the US um, in a whole different other capacity. So I, I love it because I can sit here and talk all day and say, do you want to help? Do you want to learn? Do you want to serve? That's what so, we're all about. So how do they how do they get a hold of you? How do they get a hold of CAP if they do want to help with your mission? Not sure. just CAPs, but your mission. So it, there's a GIS at cap.gov. Um, we have a hub, uh, like the CAP hub. It's uh, gis.cap.gov, um, you can, or you can Google us on, on that. We also have our national homepage, which is ghostsilverpro.com. If you look under the emergency services tab, you'll see one that still actually says CAPGIS, but uh, that also has all the links. Um, I have a survey on there. Originally, it was designed just for CAP members, because um, I was just trying to say, hey, if you're interested in joining, um, I take all of those folks and I put them in a uh, Microsoft Teams environment that I have. I have a geospatial COI. Uh, I have over a thousand people in it now. Um, but I've had, had other people who've, who've signed up, companies who reach, and I'm like, how'd you find the link? And so I send you an email, and I'll, I have an email that I send to you, and I say, hi, are you interested in joining CAP, or are you looking to partner? Yeah. Let's have that conversation, and uh, you can reach out to us that way. That's great. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, awesome seeing here at GEON 2021, especially since this hasn't been done in two years, right? So, oh, this is incredible. It's a blast. This is only my second GEON. The so show up. I'm excited the, to be here. The turnout is also incredible, mm -hmm. so I uh, hope... Well, and it's, we're only on day two, so we're about to see the exhibit hall open up. That's going to be fun. And that's going to be a blast. So thanks again, Scott. Um, and, uh, well, it's been an awesome overview of the uh, Silver Patrol and your projects. I appreciate it. And thanks for everybody's help, and uh, I look forward to talking to you. Um, reach out. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll reach out to you that way. Talk to everybody next time. Thanks.